Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. Welcome back to another edition of the Howl. Shout out to any new listeners. Tuning in on Dash Radio's Nothing But Nothing channel. And then we, of course, are available in podcast form anywhere you listen to podcasts. So we definitely encourage you to subscribe, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify. You can find us on all those locations. This is going to be a fun episode. And for some people that listen, I have to mention uh, it's going to be a fun episode, not because of the Iowa Wolves this time, a team that I obviously do love to talk about because they have had such great success early on. No, the main club, the actual Minnesota Timberwolves, we have positive stuff to talk about because this was a not only an amazing game against the Lakers, but one of the best games in recent memory. Granted, it's a low bar, but still, we will take it. Uh, and we're going to dive right into this one. Some interesting stats. Cat comes into this game averaging 21 and 11 in this building. You say to yourself, can he keep that up? He's got some fire behind him. A lot of fans are turning on him already. I don't agree with that. I don't want to trade him. It just doesn't make any sense. But there are some of you out there that feel that way. Some of you maybe have a short fuse. It's been a long time. I understand there's some frustration with this team. I get that. But you can't trade Cat. You got to work with him. You got to be successful with Cat on this team. Also, since 2019, 2020, the Wolves are the only Western Conference team to not beat the Lakers yet. So they're due, right? You feel that way going into this game, at least. And the Wolves come out looking for the win. To me, they, they looked energized early in this game, and they really just seemed to, they wanted it. I'm not saying they don't, don't always do that. But there are games where they, they don't seem to have that edge. But today they had it. The problem is always, can they keep it up? And then especially, what happens in that fourth quarter? Because we have had a number of games where we just didn't play the entire game. So at this point, I'm watching going, this is great, they're coming out ahead. But it's very similar to anyone that watches horse racing. Being the front runner doesn't always pay off. Wolves start in a zone, though. And 
you know, it seems like it could be effective. I don't think that the Lakers are a bad shooting team, but early on, at least, we're definitely seeing some benefits of running the zone. Different game, though. Same story. Early on, and actually, mostly in the first half is where I noticed this, but Towns just can't buy a call. I saw someone point out, it must hurt to be Carl Towns when you're playing Anthony Davis because in L.A., and Anthony Davis gets all these calls, and Carl can't get any, it seems. It's got to be frustrating. And I wonder if there are players out there that look at it that way and say, man, would I get calls if I wasn't on the Minnesota Timberwolves? At a certain point, there's probably some players out there that have come to us. You know, Pat Bev's a good example. Pat Bev's been uh, you know, on a number of different teams. I think he brings kind of a, not a worldview, but like a, a view from around the league where he can kind of attest to that. And hopefully he's able to get in town's ear and maybe give him some tips. I don't know what it's going to take. I'm still on the fence about whether or not we're ever going to be a team that gets calls. I don't know why that is, but it's pretty consistent. One interesting observation that I found watching this was it seemed like smart and slow offense, like a patient offense, really was beneficial at times for the Wolves. It was very almost like deliberate. So I don't know if they were just if they were running more plays, but it definitely seemed like something was happening on the offense when I'm watching in the early stages of this game where it really seemed like patience and a slower half court set was being beneficial and we were being again very deliberate and it was working. I, I thought that was something that was interesting to watch. Kind of reminded me of when you're watching a football game like a Vikings game for example and they run that they have the first drive it's scripted and everything seems very deliberate it seemed that way uh, at times in the first quarter Wolves 11-4 early as Lakers call timeout Wolves to me look like the much better team but like we always say are they able to keep it up that's the thought that runs through my mind as I watch this and then you have two bad turnovers both of them unforced and that's not the answer to keeping that run going. It was very frustrating to see. And honestly, the main culprit was D'Lo. Keeps turning it over. Jim Pete said it really well. He's telegraphing his passes. And for anyone else there that is a Vikings fan, probably remembers, we, you know, over the years we've had a number of players that telegraph passes. That's not the answer to winning basketball or football games. Moving on from there, Towns gets his second foul halfway through. Very ticky-tack, if you ask me. And it's frustrating when you see on one end he can't get calls, on the other end he's the culprit on some really tough, tough calls pretty consistently. And then he plays frustrated sometimes. And there were points in this game where it was very noticeable. He got lucky, I felt. And the referees were really nice to him because whether it was Russell Westbrook, but there were plays where... He did that thing where he gets like overly physical, and we'll, we'll actually talk, talk about that later on a play that was reviewed, but that's just something he needs to get that in check, and, and we'll actually, the nice thing is, not only do we notice it in the media, not only do fans notice it as well, but the other thing that we see is Chris Finch notices it. He has a term for it even, and he is addressing it. I'll get more into the specifics of that later. One thing that was nice to see... They made a change, and they put Jaden McDaniels on the bench. And I think, at least for one game, to me, it made a lot of sense. It worked out really well. Plus, Vando in the starting lineup is so good on defense. The energy is off the charts. 
whether it's offensive rebounding, whether it's getting steals. He was fantastic last night. Part of the thing, too, is at no point in – well, it took longer, I guess I would say, for Jaden McDaniels to be in foul trouble. He was still in foul trouble. He just fouls too much. And not only does he foul too much, but he definitely has, I would say, a reputation at this point because he gets called for some some interesting, tough calls as well. And I think eventually that will change as he maybe fixes his form on defense as he kind of grows as a player, gets stronger. There's just little things that I think can eventually change to help him in that uh, section of his game. Now, we also had, this is probably the third or fourth game in a row where it, when we get Jaden right out of the gates when, he, when he's playing, and off, offensively, we see that he's being aggressive. The issue is, very similar to the Timberwolves in general, does that wear off? That's what you have to watch for game in, game out. On defense, I feel like he's always aggressive. It's part of the reason why he gets fouls. But on offense, he needs to continue that. He's shown a propensity to be able to get to the hoop very effectively. Can he consistently do that in a game? Because that's a, to, us, to me, that's a game changer. And now, coming off of the bench, if he's going to go up against players that are more bench players. Now, granted, on the Lakers, a bench player is different than on some other teams, right? like the Nets, right? The Nets is another team where a bench player is different. But on a majority of teams in the NBA, a bench player is a player that deservedly is on the bench. So these are all things to keep in mind. I will give the Lakers credit. They were really, really good at containing Anthony Edwards. They saw that he scored 48 points the other night, and they weren't having it. They were not. They said to themselves, here's the deal. If we're going to lose, someone else is going to beat us. Towns, D'Angelo Russell whoever, someone else is going to have to step up if the Wolves were going to win this game. And at times, Edwards pushed the issue a little bit, probably from a little frustration. He, he forced some shots. He drove in and took some contested shots when there were other plays that were available. He's a young player, and I'm sorry, but if he has an off game, I'm fine with it. The man carried us the other night 48 points. He can have an off game. He can not have as big of a game as we've seen in, in some other spots. And that's okay. It's tough for a player, especially a young player, to be a hundred like a hundred percent every night just in terms of being able to dominate. It's not gonna happen every night. It just isn't. Eventually will it? Yeah, I think eventually it will. When he he's he's very, very close to being I think a superstar. So is it going to happen this season? I don't know if it will, but he he's not that far off given his amazing offensive skills, his athleticism, and most of the time, his high-level defense. It's just a matter of consistently putting it all together and then finding a way. Part of it's the coaching staff, right? They have to, find, they have to look at last night's game film, for example, and they have to figure out what did the Lakers do to shut him down and how can we ensure that that doesn't happen again. Because we can't just put it on Anthony Edwards' shoulders, especially given he's a young player. It's not always the easiest thing. He doesn't have that experience to make the right call or the right play aggressively himself. And they talked about it uh, at halftime. We'll get into that a little bit. But part of it is the coaching staff stepping up, maybe making some plays for him, Get him seeing the ball going in the hoop, and how can you turn that into uh, success for Anthony Edwards? 
Wolves go cold, unfortunately. Lakers hot, a 12-2 run. And just like that, it is 16-13. Wolves are down. Malik Beasley goes in, gets fouled by Anthony Davis. He gets a putback, which was nice. No call. And I didn't think the referees were – I'm not saying the referees are bad in this game, but there were some points in that first half where I got a little frustrated because you definitely had a tale of two teams where Anthony Davis or whoever were able to get calls, and whether it was Carl Towns, whether it was Malik Beasley, there weren't a lot of players on this team that were able to get fouls, get to the line, etc. D'Lo – Interestingly, he had a short break. They took him out about the six or the five-minute mark, and then he came back in like the three-minute mark or so, very short break. And when he comes back in, break did nothing. He still is bringing nothing to the table. And the Lakers springboard off of that, and it is all Lakers all the time as they really look like the better team now. Such a staunch difference from what we saw at the beginning. Interesting thing they talked about on the telecast was the $100 offensive rebounding, can we call it a challenge, I guess? So it's $100 if if you let up a, so if you give up an offensive rebound, like the guy that you're on, if you give up an offensive rebound, you put $100 into like a pot of sorts. If you, and then they keep track of your, of your actual offensive rebounds. So the ones you personally get. And then whoever gets the most offensive rebounds has the chance to then win the pot. So they've incentivized playing better on the glass. And for anyone that's not aware, the Wolves dominated, absolutely crushed the Lakers on or in terms of rebounding. Hey, if you need to incentivize it, let's see it. I'm okay. Whatever it's going to take to get this these guys to to do what they need to, to be competitive, I'm fine with it. I don't care what it is. Just let's get it done. Jaden, uh, I want people to watch this because maybe I'm wrong. I don't think that I am. But to me, it seems like Jaden McDaniels travels a lot on that first step. Very similar to the Gorgie Jang uh, travel where he shuffles his feet when he gets the ball and goes to like do a drive or do a move. It seems like he does it a lot, and it's rare they ever call him for it. I want others to take a look at that and watch that. Get back to me at the Howl Radio on Twitter, at the Sports Min. Let me know what you guys are seeing because to me, it sure looks like he travels a lot. And I was just wanted to get uh, someone else watching that and get other opinions. Am I am I crazy? But it sure it sure looks like that's one area where the referees have been very kind uh, to the Wolves. There's a, a play we've heard people talk about recently: Malik Beasley and his jump shot. First of all, it kind of has been. It ebbs and flows. It's, there's lots of ups and downs as far as his jump shot is concerned. One thing we've seen recently has been it's it's not getting the arc that we need. And so it was interesting. Beasley takes a wide-open three from the top of the key, and it was one of the worst misses that I've ever seen. Now, granted, last night he, we saw some nice shots from him, and he's. it seems like he's improving his shot. It's probably a work in progress a little bit for whatever reason because think about last year, and the guy was absolutely lights out for the Wolves. And that includes uh, the, I mean, he's just, he's been a, a really, really solid player for us uh, as far as shooting is concerned. Can he get back to that? We'll see. We'll see. But it's definitely a work in progress. As he, this was a, sometimes you hear someone talk about a scud missile <laughs> jump shot. This was it. He missed everything and then just like clanked it off the backboard pretty hard. So uh, just kind of, kind of made me chuckle a little bit, but at least he's putting in the work. It's very clear. There were changes from last game to this game. 
Uh, Jaden McDaniels continues that aggressive play we talked about, gets a nice drive to the hoop and is able to score. Can he keep that up? Interesting thing at the end of the first quarter. So you had Akogi gets the ball off of a miss and is very aware of the shot clock. Or sorry, not the shot clock, the game clock. Turns and goes to fire up a shot. And uh, he gets he gets hit in the head by by was I'm sorry by Carmelo Anthony. The interesting thing was as you watched it first in fast motion, I thought for sure he didn't get it off in time, or at least it was it was so incredibly close. They went to the replay and I said, oh yeah, they definitely didn't get it off in time. And then credit Bally Sports because I have had an issue this season as far as them giving us good replay or giving us the correct replay or giving it to us at all in certain instances. They did a great job here, and it was very clear to me at least that it happens literally a tenth of a second before the clock expires, that he gets hit in the head. And upon re- So upon review, to me, it's clear as day. He gets hit in the head, and it was .1 second left on the clock when he gets hit. So he's got to get shots. It's at half court. It's just one of those things where Carmel Anthony's just trying to make a play. It's not malicious in any way. And he just happens to hit Josh Okogie in the head. <clears throat> Excuse me. They do get the call correct upon replay. And Okogie, it's kind of a difficult thing. It's just him on the court, which is weird to me. So they put him on at the line. He's going to take three free throws because obviously it's a three. The interesting thing is no one else is there, which I don't get because there's still time on the clock. And since there's still time on the clock and we're still going to have to run a play, I didn't understand why he shot it alone. Other than they did call it a flagrant foul. So, I don't know. The whole thing was kind of interesting to me. I also don't... So, he shot three free throws. And I'm sitting here thinking, looking back, and I I don't remember there being a fourth free throw. There should have been a free throw for the flagrant? I don't know. I'm very confused because they did give give Carmelo Anthony a flagrant one. Maybe I'll have to go back and watch that. I, I mean, I'm sure they got it right. It was just kind of a confusing thing. But the reason I bring up that no one's on the court is that's kind of a lonely spot, right? Jim P talked about that. He's been in that situation in the past. It's a tough spot to be in. It's just you on the court. And then a referee, there's nothing else going on there. And you're in a fully packed staple center. To me, that's a tough position. Credit Josh Kogi makes two out of three, and he missed the first one. I feel like if I miss that first one, I'm probably going to miss another one. Maybe that's just me, but the confidence has got to be tough at that point. And he made both. What, what helped is that on the second one, it bounced. I think it hit every every single bit of the rim. Ends up going in, makes two of them, which was really nice to see. Coming out of that play, though, so there's .1 seconds left. For anyone that doesn't follow basketball closely enough, or at least the NBA, if it's .3 or less, you have to tip it in. That's just the rule. You have to tip it in. You cannot take a shot. Well, we it, what I don't understand is we then just threw, did an inbounds play, threw it to Jade McDaniels, who shoots it and makes the three, but... You can't shoot in that instance. And Dave Benz made a great point uh, when I was watching this one. Dave Benz said, since you have to tip it in, and because you can't shoot from out of bounds, any sh- any ball that is thrown up to the hoop can't be goaltended because it can't be a shot. So all you do is just throw it at the hoop, and then you have someone jump up and try to tip it in. That's it. That's all you're doing. It's basically it's kind of similar to like the basketball equivalent of the Hail Mary. And yet we don't even attempt that at all. We just throw a pass in that in no way can be successful. So interesting there. Didn't make a lot of sense, but that's it. You go out into the second quarter, 
and it's uh, 26 to 19. The Wolves are down. Shooting was absolutely awful in the first quarter. Towns was the only player that shows up. You jump into quarter two. D'Lo and Nas had a nice two-man game for a couple possessions, and Nas is looking good early. I saw someone talk about this on Twitter, but I don't know how you're going to keep Nas once his first contract's done. How are you going to afford to keep him? There is going to be a team out there that is going to pay him big money, that is going to pay him to start. I know there are some fans out there that want to see Nas start at the four and see how that works. At a certain point, do you have to try that more? Now, granted, the last like three or four games, they've started to use Towns and Nas more because if you feel that long-term that pairing can work, not necessarily as starting, but just in general, can that pairing work large minutes, then maybe you can pay Nas more money to keep him. He'll be a restricted free agent, keep in mind. You'll have his bird rights because you've had him for three or, three or more years. You're going to be able to go over the salary cap to keep him. So you might not lose him depending on how valuable you see him and, and his skill set meshing with Carl Towns. I think there's a... I think there's a scenario where you can keep Nas Reed and pay him. It just depends on what other team's going to offer because ultimately, I would assume that's what we do. We say, all right, what's it going to take to get Nas Reed? We're going to let the market dictate that unless unless Nas Reed is willing to take a discount. There are players that sometimes do that. Is he going to be one of those players? I don't know. Time will tell. The, the also interesting thing, if people remember this, when Gorgie Jang took his big money deal from the Wolves, at the time, so at the time he actually signed it, we thought it was a bargain. We thought he took less money to stay with us. In the end, it ended up being a really bad contract, shockingly, because the whole market collapsed and nobody was getting money. Shout out to Shabazz Muhammad, who did the opposite of Gorgie Jang, turned down uh, a, a very good, especially now that he's out of the league, an incredible deal for, for the market at the time. He did the opposite. And he regretted it for sure. So there's lots of ways that can play out with Nas Reed. I'm very interesting where it ends up turning. Wolves back down in the second. Just three points, 25-28. D'Lo is sort of starting to look better. I guess he's, you could say he's uh, starting to load. And Lakers turnover. The Wolves are building a little bit of momentum. 30-28 to as Jaden hits the three. Puts the Wolves on top in the second. That is the team's first three. Both teams now a combined 3 of 17 from 3. Let that sink in. One make for us, two for them. That's about as bad as it gets. And that adds into the fact that we ran zone a lot of last night's game. And if the team can't make shots, you can run zone. You're forcing the team to take zone. And if you're active, which the Wolves were last night, they were very active on defense at times, it was very successful to be able to run the zone defense. Kind of an interesting play inside. Jaden McDaniels is guarding... Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook travels. Instead of calling Russell Westbrook for the travel, they called Jaden for a foul. To me, it looked almost like those plays where you see a player pull the chair out, although I believe Westbrook was actually facing Jaden at the time. But to me, it looked like a very clear travel. We touched on this earlier, but Jaden, he's not getting the respect of the officials yet. Again, either is Towns, so it's not just necessarily a young player. Sometimes the Wolves, in general, just are not given the benefit of the doubt. But Jaden especially, and he's on their list. We're going to see if uh, eventually that does change. Josh Okogie, by the way, exciting for him. He has been so frustrating. And by frustrating, I mean bad at times in this season. It's rare that I've liked what he brings to the court. 
gets a really stupid turnover. And then in transition is where this happens. And I say to myself, D'Angelo Russell needs to be more aware of who he's passing to. We used to have this conversation with players trying to pass or make fancy passes or difficult passes to Nikola Pekovic. For anyone that remembers Peck, there was a time where he didn't have good hands in the post. Now, eventually that changed, but Josh Akogi is just, he's just like a walking a walking time bomb in terms of like goofiness. He just, I don't know. I don't know how else to explain that, but I don't expect if I'm going to pass him the ball that he's going to make the right decision. I don't expect that he's going to make a good play. And so D'Lo needs to be more aware of that. And we lose the ball. Akogi tries to do too much. He throws it away. And then you have a live ball turnover. And what does it lead to? A wide open Carmelo three. And it kills that momentum that the Wolves had been building. D'Lo, interesting, uh, in the very next play, I think, he gets fouled from three, makes it, no call. <clears throat> Again, not sitting here saying the officials were terrible last night, but in that first half, I did think there was a discrepancy. I did think the Wolves were on the, the, the wrong side of that. An interesting thing that Jim Pete touches on, I think it's interesting to watch, Malik Beasley could not hit the broadside of a barn last night. And what did our coach do Finch kept him in and he's trying to give him that confidence and I really appreciate that because with Malik Beasley he's missing shots but I don't watch Malik Beasley and say that he's making a lot of mistakes I want to watch him more on the defensive end I didn't necessarily notice him being a liability last night on that end which is good to see to me if you're gonna be in the game I and you're not gonna make shots I want you to be invisible and by that I mean I don't want you to I don't want it to be obvious that you're in the game because you're you're making mistakes on offense or on defense or you're not getting back, different things like that. If you're going to be in the game and you're not going to score, I want you to either make an impact in other ways or be invisible. And a guy that did that in this game we'll touch on, and that is Tayshon, or Torian Prince. He uh, drives in or he goes inside, gets fouled, no call, gets his put back though, on, and then on the other end, frustratingly, you have Howard body checks Jaden on a screen, and somehow it's a foul on Jaden. I just don't, I don't get it. The more I watch Jaden, the more I see plays where he gets called for fouls that I just do not think are fouls. I don't know what it's going to take. We touched on it before. Maybe there's nothing. I think he just needs to keep playing his same brand of basketball, that aggressive defense, and hopefully eventually he starts getting a little bit of respect on that end. Uh, Jaden gets another foul call right after that. And to me, it was a very tough call. And you look at this game, and at the time, it's 35-36. to 36. What would the game score be if we got the benefit of the same calls that the Lakers got? Because it's tic-tac city in this first half. Would that have made a difference? Would we have kind of taken this game over earlier? Would other guys have stepped up? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but you never know. And then Dwight Howard, he throws Nasri to the ground. He kind of gives him like an arm and elbow in the face or in the head area. And, and Nas looks over at the ref and it just has this look of like almost like desperation. What are you doing? What more do what more needs to happen to get a foul? He smacked me in the head and threw me to the ground. Why can't I get a foul call? Edwards on the other end, he tries to make a move and just loses the ball. He just has not been able to get anything going. Lakers did a fantastic job on him in this game. Here this is when Torian Prince comes in. My initial reaction was yuck. 
One thing we haven't seen is Jordan McLaughlin. Love that. Absolutely love that. The man just does not deserve minutes, and I think there's a good argument that he does not deserve a roster spot, but that's another that's another conversation that we've already had. We don't need to really hound on that, but Prince came in, and Prince didn't do anything that jumped off the page to me in a negative way. He was pretty much invisible, and I'm okay with that. If he's going to come into the game, I don't want to notice him. I don't want him missing and clanking a bunch of shots. I don't want him being overly aggressive, missing shots. I don't want him making stupid plays on defense, or at times I've seen him just not have that first step on defense, and it's kind of like that Ole defense where the guy just goes right around him. In this game, I didn't see that. If it's if it's Whatever it's going to take, but I'm okay with him playing if he's not going to make a bunch of mistakes, if he's not going to force things. Anthony Edwards finally gets an open look from three, and it is not, it's not relatively close, unfortunately. He has three of the Wolves' eight turnovers, but again, credit the Lakers for their game plan on him. I am not blaming Anthony Edwards. The man has done so much for this team this year. It's a, he's allowed to have an off game. He absolutely is. Towns gets his third foul on the second, and it was weird. He was not happy. And on replay, I just it was hard to tell what really happened. It looked to me like maybe his hand touched Anthony Davis, but I think what really happened is it was a bad pass. And so what Anthony Davis did is what Carl Towns tries to do a lot, where he over-exaggerates and makes a weird movement to accentuate the little touch. And because it was a bad pass, he was able to make it look like the reason why it wasn't he wasn't able to get there was because of Towns. And he also yelled. He did that like the Shabazz Muhammad, like the, ah, and it worked. It worked. He got the call there. So there you go. Now Towns is in foul trouble. How long? There's about four or five minutes left at this point in the game. How long are we going to keep Towns out there? What I credit Finch with is Finch is determined, and I, I'm surprised more coaches don't do this. If you take that play out of the game, all you're doing is penalizing yourself already instead of pushing it down and saying, all right, I'm going to let him play some more, and I'm going to hope that this player rewards me by not getting any more fouls. So he stayed, He was able to keep Towns in a little longer there. Edwards, by the way, finally scores. He's now one of four. So four minutes left in the second, second quarter, and he scores his first. And the only unfortunate thing there is four turnovers for Anthony Edwards. Four shots, four turnovers. Just uh, wasn't able to get a rhythm going here. Bev, super impressive. Anthony Davis absolutely runs him over on defense. I, you got to be a tough player. You got to be a tough guy to be willing to see Anthony Davis barreling down and step in and take that charge. Super impressive. And that right there is exactly what Beverly brings to the table. If you're another player and you see that, you're like, all right, I got I to gotta give that effort. He's sacrificing his body. Other players see that, and I think they're going to make it. It makes a difference. We're seeing it make a difference uh, on this team. 3.30 to go, and Cat take, takes a seat at that point with that foul trouble. Good to see. And guess what? Nas Reed is still dominating. And so it wasn't as big of an issue as it could have been if you had someone else playing that Towns role. The cool thing about Carl Towns and, and Nas Reed is they're both centers that can stretch the floor, so you can run a lot of the same action. You can run a lot of the same plays. I personally think Nas has very much improved from where he was you know, let's say last year even on defense. Although he's still a player that gets frustrated, not to the level of Towns, but Nas Reed, it's trending in the right direction, I would say, but he still gets a lot of tough calls on defense, where plays where I think it's pretty good defense, and he still gets called for the foul, 
it's it's one of those things where he's kind of walking a fine line, but very impressive there. You know, Wayne Ellington hits a corner three, and I, I watch this game, and I say to myself, if you look at the history of Timberwolves players and Timberwolves draft picks, where does Wayne Ellington rank? He's got to rank up there pretty high in terms of really good draft picks. Now, as far as at least role players are concerned, what a great career he's had. Randy Foy is another instance of this. Now, the biggest difference, of course, is Randy Foy was a top 10 pick. We look at Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington was a, a late 20s pick. Fantastic pick. He has been in the league a long time, and there's a reason why he's on this LeBron-led team. You don't bring in Wayne Ellington if he's not going to perform, and he does. He can hit shots. He is a competitor. I think when you look at all the different Wolves draft picks throughout the years, Wayne Ellington is definitely high on that list. It's one of the better ones in terms of uh, a good career, a solid role-playing career, just being effective. I've had some, maybe not even just some, lots of issues with D'Lo in this game in the first half, but despite the fact that he's not really giving you anything scoring-wise, five assists and four rebounds. If you're going to play a game and you're not going to get the scoring, can you impact in other ways? Can you play defense? Can you can you set other guys up? Can you rebound? He did a lot of little things in this game at times. The other thing that a lot of people are kind of stuck on, it's kind of a conundrum of sorts, it's that this team seems almost predicated on success built around D'Angelo Russell. Even when his shot's not falling, when he's not in the game, it negatively impacts the Wolves. Someone said yesterday, if if D'Angelo Russell is, is hitting shots like he has the ability to, so if he's just on fire, this team is basically unstoppable, and it feels that way. It feels like when D'Angelo Russell is playing well, nobody can stop us. What can we do to get him to be that guy every single game? Doesn't even need to be four quarters, right? If you can get that guy for two and a half or three quarters, I think it would make a difference, right? Most of the time when he plays, we need to get that just unstoppable D'Lo on offense if we can. It's just a game changer, and that's the consistent thing. Even in in games we've lost, there were some games where he didn't play, and the, the team definitely looked a lot worse. It's something that I don't think anyone really understands at this point, but it's got to be something with the scheme. It's got to be something D'Lo does that just fits perfectly with the way Chris Finch is choosing to coach. At the half, Lakers are up 49-44. to 44. You know, switching, they talked about this at halftime. Wolves assistant coach uh, uh, Mike Nori he said, switching to a zone definitely helped. Also talked about the 32 pain points was a big reason why the Wolves were able to stay in this game. Didn't have a lot of offense in that first half, and yet you're only down five points. He feels good about where the team is at. Fast forward to the end of this game, he was obviously right. You're able to stick with a Lakers team that is very talented, even without LeBron James. This is a team that has won some big games. They just beat Miami. Russell Westbrook has had, I think, two of his last however many games were triple-doubles. Russell Westbrook comes into this game playing well. There's a lot to like about playing poorly, or at least offensively not being able to score, and still being in the game. That's important, because then if you can figure things out, what happens is what happened in last night's game. Ant, by the way, gets a three to start the second half, and you look at it and say, can this get him going in the right direction? Can he get some momentum? Wolves able to get a lead then after five straight points from D'Angelo Russell. Hot start to the third. D'Lo makes a play, and he made sure that he got... This is, this is something we've talked about. Boxing out has been a huge issue. 
D'Lo has this great play where he's, he's underneath the hoop. He sees AD running in to grab a rebound, and he bodies him up when the shot goes up and makes sure AD can't get to the hoop. Think about that. AD, in under normal circumstances, right, can get to the hoop. Obviously, is much bigger than D'Angelo Russell. D'Lo steps in there, forces that contact, pushes his body back, mans up, and they get the rebound. It was so incredibly impressive. There's a reason why the Wolves won the rebounding battle last night. To me, a lot of the reason that they don't is because of effort, whether it's Cat, whether it's Nas, whether it's whoever. We need the rest of the team to consistently play like Vando plays all the time, fighting, running, just being aggressive. That's what we need from this team, and we saw it last night, and that needs to continue. 30-22, to 22, speaking of rebounds, that's the battle right now. The Wolves are up eight rebounds in this game. It's rare the Wolves win the rebounding battle this season. This game looked like a game where you can use this as a springboard to continue to be able to rebound the basketball well. We're not going to be able to beat every team, dominate every team in terms of the rebounding game, but be competitive. Make it close. You need to fight for boards. You need to box out. These are basic things. Now, granted, is it going to tire some guys out a little more? Of course it is. It's not exactly the easiest thing to always be that physical, but we need it to do it as a team. It's going to make a huge difference. Jim P brings this up, and it's something I hadn't really noticed, but Vando, and this has hurt him at times offensively, he has no right hand, and it makes it so much easier to defend him. I know that Vando has put in the time, whether it's uh, three-point shooting or other aspects of his offensive game. We have Carl Anthony Towns here. Can he kind of you know, mentor Vando in a way of sorts to help him become more effective in the post game. We talk about how Vando puts in the time from three. It's never translated into games. When even when he's wide open, which if you're a defensive, if you're a defending team, you're going to leave Vando, you're going to let him take shots. You want him to take shots because he hasn't proven he can make them. He's made what, like two threes, I think, in his career with the Wolves. That's not going to change anytime soon, I don't think, because if you're Chris Finch, why would you let that? But if you can find a way, all we need is like one or two makes from three. Just get that on film. Can you springboard that into some sort of a, let's say, a little bit of gravity? A lot of times when Carl Towns is getting double teamed, if you're Vando, right? If if you're Carl Towns, if you could throw Vando the corner three, Think about Gorgie Jang and what he was able to do from the corner three. He really was able to gain some success there, and he was able to have a sort of shot gravity. Vando, if there's any way to do that, I don't know what it would take, but if there's any way to find that, I would love to see it. For example, last night's game, when you're up by when you're up big, would that have been an opportunity to say, all right, Vando, we're going to try to get you a three. We're going to try to get you a shot. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what it's going to take. But if you could find a way to make Vando be a threat, even if it's just, even if it's just from the corner three, that would be a huge, an absolute huge game changer. So we'll see what happens there. Three fouls on AD with eight to go in the third. Wolves are up 58-51 with the ball and all of the momentum. In total, ends up being a 13-0 run as Beverly has two straight and ones, but the second one he is does he does miss that free throw. And able to get a huge step back three, and now the Wolves are up 11. It's interesting. You look at that and you say, all right, that's a three. He hit one earlier. He had a, I think he had two points in the first half. So that puts him at eight points. He finished the game with nine. 
So right there, you're talking not even midway through the third, and you're and Anthony Edwards just doesn't do anything else scoring wise. Very surprising, and that's okay. I can't stress this enough. We can't turn on our players. We do that too often. Players are going to have off nights, especially younger players that are still trying to find their footing in this league. Anthony Edwards is one of the best young players in the league. The list of players you would trade him for is almost non-existent. Let's let the guy continue. We're playing the Clippers tonight. I'm guessing that they're not going to be able to hold him down. He is going to have a good game tonight. I just don't see how two teams straight are going to be able to calm him down and keep him silent. Vando, meanwhile, is absolutely unstoppable on defense, including a super impressive transition three block where it looked like the Lakers were going to get an easy open three, and he flies up, leaps, and just gets fingertips on that ball. So impressive. And then the other end, Towns gets a step back three. Wolves are now up 14 points, and the Lakers 10 straight misses. It is all Wolves all the time right now. We saw that for a stretch from the Lakers, but the Wolves have absolutely started to take over this game. Interesting play. AD gets his fourth foul. The coach's challenge. It's clearly a foul by AD, first and foremost. But Carl does get AD below the belt after that. So the question then is, is it a double foul? And what they end up doing, and I think I think this was a fair call, it was a foul on AD, and then it was also a tech on Towns. So they get a free throw. They get a free throw, and then... And then Towns ended up getting, uh, I believe he got two free throws as well. So it was just kind of interesting. I felt the Wolves, or I felt that the refs did a really good job. It was unintentional on Towns. So they could have, they could have probably called a flagrant on that play if they really wanted to, I guess. And Jim Pete touched on that. I, I think it was the right call just to go, look, we're going to call a technical foul. It was unintentional. Not that that matters. Not that that matters for flagrant fouls. But just something interesting. I thought they did a really good job there. It was, it was very clean. Both teams got what they needed. I, I like that. Dave Benz brought up a good point, though, during the telecast, and that is that actually goes as an unsuccessful challenge because AD is still getting the foul call, but Towns got one as well. I feel like if, if you challenge it and there's a change made that your team benefits from, that should be a, a successful challenge. That, to me, that's what, that should be the, the bar that we set. It hasn't happened. I don't know that it's. I don't think that it's necessarily ever going to happen that way. Maybe it does, but that's how I would do it. That's how I would deem a successful challenge. Uh, one thing they talked about this: Finch wants Towns to be quicker and cleaner, no stray voltage. We talked about this earlier. That excess stuff from Towns, whether it's the flailing, he does play sometimes where. It looks like he's going to hurt himself because he over-exaggerates things. We need this. We need the over-exaggerating to stop. We need the that kind of that pouty child play thing. You know where something happens to you and it frustrates you, and then you fight back or you you get physical back. We've all done that, but we most of us did that when we were children. So Carl Towns needs to get that part under control. I think he's done a much better job of being, for the most part, controlled in his frustration with the officiating, but he also needs to be in control when it comes to his frustration with opposing players. Sometimes he gets a little physical, He and he picks up, whether it's foolish fouls, whether it's bad shots, 
He's getting better, and he's really starting to control a lot of those aspects of his game. I just think a little further to go, and I love that Chris Finch is really putting in the time and the work to fix that. Three, and do we maybe credit Jim Pete a little bit? It seems like he's had multiple games where he's talked about how the arc needs to change. Bees has better arc. And just like that, the Wolves, by the way, up 18 points. They are on a 25-2 run over the last 6 minutes and 22 seconds. Towns then gets hit in the face, no call, but then Pat Bev gets called for another ticky-tack foul. If I feel like when you watch other teams play, if think about this. If Anthony Davis got hit in the face by somebody, the world would stop. Carl Towns gets hit in the face, and nothing happens. It's just one of those things where it's frustrating. And I think a good time to complain about it, for me, is when we're winning, because then you, I can say, look, I'm consistent, right? We're winning this game, and I'm still frustrated by these things. I'm not sitting here and just blaming officials willy-nilly for no reason. Some people like to think that if you lose a game and you have some qualms with the officiating, that that's all it is. You're just that's oh, you're just it's a crutch. You're just saying that the team lost, and now you're blaming the officials instead of maybe being realistic. I think I am realistic because wins, losses, it doesn't matter. I hold referees accountable. They weren't bad in this game, but there were a number of plays where I think it's fair to say they didn't do a great job. Overall, though, I think they did a fantastic job. They Here, I want to go over. So um, there, there was a photo that they showed in the game last night, and I thought this was kind of interesting. It was, so largest leads in losses this season for the Timberwolves. And I think this is kind of interesting because it's fun to break down these numbers and, and how do we get to that point. So we look at the Pelicans, right? We had the biggest, largest lead in that game was three points. Same with the Warriors, largest lead was two points. Those are kind of outliers. But Clippers, we had five points and 20-point leads in those two games. So we've proven we can play with the Clippers. What's going to happen in tonight's game? What's going to happen in tonight's game? If the Wolves can find a way, by the way, to beat the Clippers... All of a sudden, this season just looks so much different to me. Because, yes, you lost two games that you shouldn't have, but now you've won two games that most people didn't think you had a chance. That really makes the season look a lot different. But look, look at these other games. You had a 14-point lead against the Nuggets. You lost. A 13-point game against the Magic. You lost. Definitely the Magic, by the way. One of the teams, one of the games that was a bad loss. And then you had a 16-point lead against the Grizzlies. And given the, given, given the specifics of that game... I think it's fair to say that was a bad loss. So, I mean, just some interesting statistics. Wanted to throw them out there. They brought them up in the telecast, and I thought that really added something. Interesting play. 0.5 seconds to go in a possession. Towns able to hit the top of the key three. I mean, he gets it and just has to throw it up. Fantastic play from Towns. And that, tell, that told you, I think that play really kind of showed the bigger picture in this game of just how incredibly good Carl Towns was. Impressive play. Didn't stop there, though. The Wolves' defense, they played some really good zone defense. And here's the thing about de zone defense. I think one of the key words when you're talking about the zone is scrambling. How well does a team scramble? And what scrambling deals with is the hustle of a team. And are you able to get out to players in terms of like a guy that's open? Are we able to get a handout? Are you able to switch appropriately? Sometimes what you run into is if someone's not paying attention enough, ball watching is is a problem, and that can be the kryptonite of zone defense. There's also if a guy does maybe overhelp in one area and then another guy has to guard two different players, that's a consistent problem when you're playing zone defense. And then, of course, 
The biggest kryptonite for zone defense is making jump shots. And we were able to play the zone defense because, number one, we really didn't give up many open shots. And the ones that we did, they didn't make. We really were absolutely fantastic in this game on the defensive end. We have to take that and use that momentum, bring it to that Clippers team tonight. And you know the Clippers, that's a team where we saw it in the first two games, but Paul George is going to be the difference between a win and a loss. Actually, I scratched that. Let's say it this way. Paul George, if we saw anything from the first two games, it was that Paul George is going to get his no matter what. Let's let That's going to happen. you got to stop the other guys. You have to say to yourself, Paul George is going to get a lot of points, but we want to play good defense on him, be physical, make him earn it, but also be okay with the fact that he's probably going to score a lot of points no matter how good the defense is. That's going to be the biggest key for me. I don't know that you can really run zone against the Clippers. They have the propensity to go on a run, a really big run, as far as three-point shooting is concerned. So that's going to be interesting to watch for in that game. Let's uh, add in here. So uh, in the third, Towns has 12 points already in the third, and he is absolutely dominating. Make it 15 as he is a man possessed as he shoots a super deep three at the top of the key. Interesting. One of the worst goaltend calls you will ever see happen in this game. Towns grabs an 80 miss. It was either even or below the rim. It was so frustrating. Towns is enraged, but keeps it together in the sense that he doesn't get angry at the referee. He kind of bottles it up. I mean, it's it's almost incredible Hulk-like where he just, you can see he's mad, but he doesn't take it out on the officials. He just kind of takes it out, which I like seeing. But I just don't get that, how the referee sees that. It was great defense by Vando. And after the contest, Towns grabs what really was going to be an air ball probably. Just frustrating. And then Frisch Finch doesn't challenge it. I understand waiting to challenge things, and this didn't even matter in the grand scheme of things, but you didn't know that at the time. Still a lot of game left when this happened. Just found it interesting. Challenges are kind of goofy. I don't want to bring up the Iowa Wolves all the time, but the Iowa Wolves coach has done a really good job through the first part of the season, early part, of course, at challenging and picking the right spots and winning. He's he's won all his challenges. It's, it's just kind of something that you – it's like timeouts, right? It's definitely a skill to know when to do it, when not to do it, picking your battles. Uh, you know, time will tell on that. Chris Finch has been a coach for a long time, but he's still a new, newer head coach, and the challenge thing is relatively new in the grand scheme of the NBA, in the grand scheme of basketball in general. So it's something I think Chris Finch is smart enough. He's going to figure that out. Wolves, though, uh, answer. Towns hits a three, and, just as, and Jim Pete says it perfectly. Towns is absolutely on fire. Gets him to 18 points. That is a 38-9 run for the Wolves now. So incredibly impressive. Now, there's still a whole quarter left. And so you say it's far from over. The Wolves are up 24 at this point. And I say it time and time again. The target number for the Wolves, I mean, really any team should be targeting this, of course. You just want to be up by a lot. But 30 points, historically, is the lead that the Wolves just don't seem to be able to lose. That's like the one lead that, that feels safe. And so I'm hoping at this point, watching the game, can they get there? In the end, of, how about this? In the end of the third, 40 to 12 is the scoring difference. Wolves absolutely destroy the Lakers. They are up 23. The score is, like I said, 40 to 12. That is the second largest deficit in Lakers history since the shot clock era began. I mean, it doesn't get much more impressive than that. 
Lakers, by the way, look absolutely crushed right now in that fourth quarter. Almost disinterested. It seemed like they already felt like it was over, and it showed. To me, it's not over yet because I've seen us blow leads. But just like that, it's a 27-point lead, and then it's 30. It's D'Lo hits a three, and that 30 gets hit with 10-21 to go in the fourth. Interesting, though. Finch clearly not taking any chances as he understands the team can blow leads. He leaves town, and Towns has played, I believe, the entire second half at this point. D'Lo is just cooking. And the only person that really hasn't joined the party is Anthony Edwards, and that's okay. He carried us last game. I'm sure the amount of energy it took to do that was off the charts. It's To me, it's a good thing that this game he didn't have to do as much. He didn't have to play as much either, and that can help hopefully bring him to another level tonight against the Clippers. Because if you're Anthony Edwards, you're saying, I'm not doing this two games in a row. You're not shutting me down. I will beat you. I will score. That's what I think. I think Anthony Edwards is going to have an absolute monster game against the Clippers. 33-point game now as D'Lo has five threes in this one. And to me, it feels like at this point it's over and I felt safe. The last six or seven minutes of this game, I relaxed. I was able to enjoy the game. At this point, by the way, Wolves are six of nine in the fourth. Lakers, one of seven. So to me, it felt like there's just no way this game isn't already over. Eventually, it's all bench guys. The only player that we did end up staying in with the, from the starters was Anthony Edwards. And I would love to see Edwards get a little momentum in this game. It didn't end up happening. But what I liked about Anthony Edwards is he wasn't forcing shots. He actually seemed like he was embracing his role as more of a facilitator towards the end of this game, which I appreciated. Uh, Jake Lehman sighting, which that means you know it's a good game. Also, we get Noel, which I love to see. And eventually, we did end up getting... Bolmaro and Nathan Knight, which I, I'm i a huge fan of the Iowa Wolves. Everyone knows it. I love watching them play, and these are two players that I really, really like. I was asked the question, what I think about Nathan Knight, by the way. Nathan Knight is a prospect, a lot to like about his game, but defensively, it's a deficiency to say the least. He is not a good defender. He has to get better on that end if he's going to earn minutes. And here's the deal. If he could, if he could figure out how to play defense... He absolutely belongs in the NBA because he's very good offensively, good rebounder, brings a lot to the table. Bomaro, I don't know exactly what it's going to take for him to get minutes, but to me, I'd rather him play than J-Mac. I'd rather him play than, than some of these other players that just don't seem to have it right now. Same with J- Jalen Noel, by the way. I don't understand what Jalen Noel doesn't get minutes. It's, it's just weird to me. There's some there's just some, some goofy things when it comes to uh, rotations, but... Hey, in a game like last night, you can't complain. We dominated. Kind of a funny moment, and uh, Jim Pete and Dave Benz agreed. Dwight Howard hits a three. I did not expect that. <laughs> Definitely did not expect that. But Jim Pete talked about how in that game, or he talked about how if you watch Dwight Howard, he actually practices a three, and his form's not that bad. So just kind of interesting there. Pretty late in your career, but hey, if, if, if Dwight Howard can figure out how to shoot a three, I think Vando can figure out how to hit a three, right? Can we, can, we, can we all agree there? Uh, anyways, that was the final. 107-83 is the final score. Wolves absolutely destroyed the Lakers. They need to bring that momentum to the Clippers game tonight. I don't want to have a letdown game. I want, I want the Wolves to use this momentum to, to get a win against the Clippers. And then you leave Staples Center and you say to yourself, this is the best we've played almost ever on a West Coast road trip beating those two teams. Probably, I don't know if it's ever happened. 
so impressive. We need to keep it up. My predictions for the game tonight, I'm going to say a monster game from Anthony Edwards. I'm not saying 48 points, but I'm going to say Anthony Edwards hits 30. I think Anthony Edwards hits 30 tonight. But then the key, if the Wolves are going to win, if the Wolves are going to win, we need D'Lo to play well. So here's what I want to see. I want to see 30 from Ant, and I want to see a minimum of 20 for D'Lo and for Cat. Let's see that, and the Wolves win. That's going to be the key to success. I do think the bench, is, bench has been really consistent this year. Bench is one of the best benches in the league. Whether it's Nas, now it's Jaden McDaniels, there is Malik Beasley, can he hit some shots? To me, the keys, though, are going to be Towns, D'Lo, and Ant, but especially D'Lo. When D'Lo plays well, this team is sometimes, I guess the right word would be unstoppable. Let's see what happens in this game. I'm going to predict a win, though. I'm going to say we win this game 108 to 97. 108-97 is my final score prediction that the Wolves win it. Let's go to my co-host here. Hey, Xavier, who's going to win tonight? The Wolves or the Clippers? You're kicking the Clippers. Wolves, final answer. Wolves or Clippers going to win? Wolves is his answer. We love to see it. That's going to do it for this edition of The Howl. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing In That Channel. We are The Howl, your source for news and notes for the Timberwolves game breakdowns. We bring it all. We've got lots in store for the future of this. We're going to probably start bringing on some guests. We're uh, Not just guests. We're going to do that for sure. But we're also going to look to maybe do some of our trivia games, bring back Can Kevin Cousy, and maybe bring on some guests to do Can Kevin Cousy. Lots of things in or on the on the docket for the future. Listen to us if you miss us on Dash Radio. Listen to us anywhere you find podcasts. Spotify, Castos, iTunes, Stitcher. We are on all the different podcast locations. And until next time, let me get a howl. <laughs>